Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In the third epistle of John, beginning in verse 1, it says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Of course, we know that this was a personal letter written by the Apostle John to his good friend and ministry associate, Gaius. And uh, he wrote it, you know, as a personal greeting and to give instructions to him uh, about uh, spiritual matters and about the, the work of the church and so forth. But we also know it was more than just a personal letter from one individual to another. We know that all scripture is, is the Bible says it's inspired of God. In the original Greek, that means it's God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. And is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, instruction in righteousness, and so forth. Even though these men wrote uh, what, what was a personal document to somebody, we know the Apostle Paul often wrote to the churches. And they were just uh, letters that you would write to somebody, giving instruction as the, as the leader of those congregations, and the, you know, because he had founded most of them. And, uh, but we know that, uh, the Spirit of God moved upon them. Just like the Old Testament, it says in, uh, concerning the Old Testament, that holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Spirit of God. So we know that this isn't just John writing what he desires and what he prays. This is the desire of God. And, and God is saying, beloved, I desire that you may prosper in all things. And be in health, even as, or just to the same same degree, as you prosper in your soul. So this passage of scripture is dealing with three kinds of prosperity. First of all, he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. That's talking about material prosperity, financial prosperity. He said, I pray that you may prosper financially and that you would prosper physically, that you would be in health. God wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be healthy. Amen. Just as your soul prospers. So God is interested in internal prosperity. God is interested in spiritual prosperity and really spiritual prosperity has to come first. Because he said, I pray that you, that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So spiritual prosperity has to come first. And if we prosper spiritually, that's what God is most interested in. Then as we prosper spiritually, he wants us also to prosper in all other areas. In the area of finances and, and material things and in health and living a long life. Amen. So I want you to know I believe in all kinds of prosperity, all three, all of these three different kinds. I believe in financial or material prosperity. The Bible teaches it. I also believe in biblical balance. 
Everybody say balance. Now, years ago, in the early days of the Word of Faith movement, certain preachers uh, were famous for saying that balance was just another word for unbelief. And they said to bring balance to a message just simply meant that you brought in an equal amount of unbelief into the truth. Well, that's not so. That's not what balance is. Balance is looking at all sides of the word of God on any particular subject and forming an opinion based on all of it. That's balance. Amen. Thank God, uh, our, my spiritual father and, and uh, the one who's responsible for teaching me what I know about the word of God, Kenneth Hagin, he was known as a man of great balance. And he wasn't like a lot of the people who came after him in the Word of Faith movement. He stayed balanced all of his life. Balance is critical. Virtually every biblical subject or on concerning virtually every biblical subject, there is a main road of truth. And then there, are, there is a ditch on both sides of that main road of truth. And uh, there's extremism in anything. Extremism is when you get off the main road, if you want to use this analogy, if you, if, you, if you stray off the main road of truth and get into the ditch on either side, you've gotten into extremism. Amen. It seems like the body of Christ uh, for, for uh, forever, uh, I suppose, the body of Christ has, has always manifested this tendency and that is to get off into extremes on different Bible subjects, historically. And, and when I say historically, I'm talking about from the very beginning of the, uh, of the founding of the church back in the first century, right up until more recent centuries that most of us would be more aware of where our particular denominations maybe that we came out of you know, had their, had their genesis or had their beginnings back, you know, in the, in the 19th century and the, and, and the 20th century. Uh, and there, people have gotten into extremes on baptism. Well, you know, the water baptism. You know, does water baptism save you? Does it not save you? And, you know, extremes. Uh, on the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. People have gotten into the extreme on... Uh, even on the faith life, in the word of faith movement, there is extremism. And, uh, and, and we, don't, we don't preach extremism. When it comes to the subject of grace today, there are those who are extreme. See, I know because I came out of a denomination that was extreme where grace was concerned, extreme on one side of the ditch, and, and we virtually uh, washed the, the grace of God out and made, turned it into law. I grew up that way. Condemnation teaching and so forth. Then on the other side of the road, on the, the ditch on the other side, today you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, this uh, 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 grace message that's just uh, syrupy, you know, and you can do anything, live any way you want to, and don't worry about it. God loves you and he's pleased with you and everything's fine. You don't even have to, you don't even have to ask God to forgive you for anything because everything's covered by the blood of Jesus. Well, that's an extreme on the other side. Well, you know, money and prosperity are no exceptions. 
I said money and prosperity are not exceptions. There are extremes on either side of the biblical issue of money and material and financial prosperity. And uh, what, like I said earlier, extremism results from emphasizing one truth to the exclusion of other truths. Because everything in the word of God is balanced. If you take the whole word of God on any subject and you bring what is said about it from different places, you get the whole picture. You know, if you have a a coin, if you have a quarter in your pocket, you'll notice there's there's the two different sides look completely different. There's not any resemblance from one side to the next side. It looks completely different, but it's the same coin. And if you try to present a coin to the bank and it has a heads on one side and heads on the other side, they're not gonna take it. So that's, that's a quarter, don't you see it? You can see it right there. Yeah, but you flip it over and you see you've taken what's on one side and you've put it on the other side, that's not legal. It won't spend, it won't work, isn't that right? Well, biblical truth is that way. And so anytime someone emphasizes one truth to the exclusion of other truths, then they've gotten into extremism and and people can go further and further and be more outlandish in extremism. But we want to stay right down the middle of the road. That's what Kenneth Hagin taught me. If, If I heard anything, I heard that over and over and over from him in Bible school and in later times listening to him. He always counseled Bible students. He said, go down the middle of the road. Stay down the middle of the road. The truth is found in the middle of the road. Amen. And so we want to make sure that our understanding of prosperity is balanced. Now, I was talking to Christopher Allen. You know, Brother Christopher, he was here just a couple of weeks ago. I was sorry I wasn't able to be here. That was the second year in a row that I've been out of town when Brother Christopher came. And, uh, but you know what? I, I love Brother Christopher for a lot of reasons. And, and one thing I love about him is that he stays balanced. And I can, I can be away. Of course, I know I had Pastor Greg here and the rest of the ministry staff here, so there was nothing to be concerned about, even if this wasn't true. But I know that, that Brother Christopher is, is not going to bring anything to damage my church or bring in false doctrine or anything because I know he stays down the middle of the road. But he and I were talking not too long ago, and, uh, and he said, you know, it seems today that no one who preaches prosperity preaches the other side of it, the dangers associated with the riches. He said, just nobody teaches that today. I said, hold on a minute, brother. I do. I do. I teach both sides of the issue. Because, you know, you can get up in a conference and and you can teach a one-sided message that might sell real well with that congregation, but then, then that guest minister leaves town and he doesn't have to live with the with the shipwrecked lives that come from people trying to act on one truth to the exclusion of other truths. But a pastor has to has to uh, uh, the pastor has to suffer what he preaches. Amen. And, and so we want a balanced approach. Thing. For instance, go with me over to uh, first. Uh, 1 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy, and look at verse number, I'm sorry, chapter number six. Let's start in verse number three. Now, this is a passage that you will not 
hear preached in a prosperity seminar. Trust me, you will not hear these verses preached on, referred to. It's like they don't even exist, but they do exist. 1 Timothy chapter 6. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knows nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Now, in my Bible, I don't know if your, yours points this out, you'll notice that the two words means of are in italics. That simply means that they're not in the original translation. The Bible was originally written in Greek, translated into English and other languages. And sometimes the translators add filling, fill-in words that they feel like help further bring out what is being said. Sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not. I like to read this verse and leave, leave that... Uh, those two words means of out. And it reads like this, who suppose that godliness is a gain? Who suppose that godliness is a gain? From such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know, that one verse of scripture, not taken to the exclusion of others, but that verse of scripture lets us know that what we possess in this life is really not all that important. I mean, in the eternal scheme of things, because you came into this world with nothing, you're gonna go out with nothing. Amen? I saw a, a, a cute uh, picture that somebody put up on the internet a few months back and, and there was this hearse and, and it's driving down the road. Evidently, somebody had bought this hearse. It still had the windows, you know, the curtains in the windows. It was a hearse. But behind the hearse, they were pulling this big old U-Haul trailer. And the caption says, well, evidently, you can take it with you. And, and I just thought that was funny. But the truth is, you can't. You can't take it with you. Amen. So that ought to give us some pause when it comes to things. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be consent, content. But, he who, but those who desire to be rich <clears throat> fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Now we hear it spoken very often that the love of money is the root of all evil. We understand that it, it, uh, it's not money that's the root of evil, it's the love of money. The love of money, just you know, not out loud, but in your heart, just, just, re, just uh, say that to yourself, the love of money. Not money, the love of money is a root, it says here, of all kinds of evil. Now, he goes back in verse 9. He says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare 
and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Well, now that presents a problem when you read 3 John 2 because 3 John 2 is inspired of God just as much as 1 Timothy 6, 9 is, isn't it? 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even, even as your soul prospers. This is God talking. He wants us to prosper. Now, I realize that some of your Bibles, NIV and, and not just the NIV, but several uh, translations, translate uh, 3 John 2 to read, Beloved, I desire that it may go well with you. And, and there's several translations that read that way. And people say that generally what that simply means is that it was just a common saying of the day, uh, a sort of a greeting that, that you have, that you gave people. You know, I, I pray that, that, that all goes well. And sometimes we'll, we'll say something similar to that to, to people. You know, trust that's all, all is well with you. And that's all it was, that, that it's not really talking about fin- finances. But that's not true at all. Because how in the world could all go well with you if you were strapped financially all the time? Didn't have money for food, didn't have money for housing, didn't have money for clothes, didn't have money to provide for your children. This word that's translated prosper comes from, it's not always best to try to, uh, 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 you know, identify the meanings of a word by just looking at, you know, their basic uh, root components, but sometimes it's helpful. This word comes from two words. One means good and the other means journey. I pray above all things that you may have a good journey. And so hence some translators, some translators will translate that, you know, that it'll go well with you. But you know, a, a poor journey is not a good journey. I pray that you'd have a good journey. A good road is not a poor road. A good journey is not having enough to meet your needs. A good journey is not having enough to meet somebody else's need. A good journey is not just getting by. Just having enough for me, my four, and us no more. And us, you know, and, and no more but us. That's, that's not a good journey. What about the other guy? What about somebody else who's in need? If you only have enough to take care of your needs, you don't have enough. I'm gonna say that again. If you don't have enough to take care of somebody else's needs in addition to your own needs, you don't have enough. That's the nature of God to give, to supply, to bless humanity. If we wanna be the sons of God, the children of God, and we are, of course, but if we wanna live like the children of God and exemplify the nature of our Father, we're gonna have to have enough to not only take care of our own needs, but have something left over, excess left over, and and a generous heart that's willing to part with that that's left over. A lot of people want more, but they don't want more to do anything with it, but just to have more and more and more and more. Jesus talked about a man that, you know, that he said, all my barns are full and all of my, I've got so much, I'll have to tear down my barns and build bigger barns because I don't have enough for everything. He said, that man died. He said, then whose will us all go to? No, it's what you do with what you have that's important to God. Amen. 
And so, but what about this verse of scripture? Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare. And when Jesus said, Father, lead us not into temptation. So I mean, I, I, that must mean, Father, don't lead us into prosperity because it's tempting. Yeah, but third John. I said, yeah, but third John. I pray and desire that you prosper in all things. Besides, that word prosper in, in third John Though, you know, it could say, uh, you know, that it means, uh, you know, just to have a good life. It's also, it's also actually translated prosperity and money in other places in the New Testament. So the word can mean generally, you know, have a good, have a good road. But it's also used in the New Testament speaking of financial prosperity. Amen. Well, what, what does that mean? that those who desire to be rich. Let me, let me give you another balance. Go over to first to Second Corinthians. This is where I uh, read during our prayer this morning for our offering. Go to Second Corinthians chapter nine. Second Corinthians chapter nine. See, in order to get the truth, you have to read everything the Bible has to say. Verse number six, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, but I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I want you to notice there's a connection uh, to how you give. There's a connection between that and what you receive. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Well, if you keep sowing generously and keep reaping generously and keep sowing generously and then keep reaping generously and keep sowing generously and keep reaping generously, on and on and on, I'm gonna tell you, your, your, your standard of living is just gonna keep going up and up and up and up and up. If you do this long enough, you will be rich. I said, if you do this long enough, you will be rich. There's, there's no way to keep from it. If you keep in living with a generous heart and a generous life concerning your money, because this is what this is talking about. You go back and read the whole context, the verses before it and the verses after it, it's talking about giving. And if you remain generous in your giving, you God will give back to you good measure. Jesus said, give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be put into your bosom. Well, you know, you keep doing that enough, long enough, and in, 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 in sufficient quantity, you're going to begin to reap more than you can contain. And see, being rich is not necessarily being a millionaire. It, it, it probably includes that, but it's not, it's, not a, it's not just a figure. Being rich is having an abundant supply. All of your needs are met. The things that are good in life that won't separate you from the will of God for your life, God wants you to have the good things of life. See, in, 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 in Isaiah, it says, if you will be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Yeah. Well, if God wants me to eat the good, what does that mean? Vienna sausage? 
three meals a day? That's not eating the good. <laughs> Spam every meal? That's not eating the good. When you think about eating the good, that means eating the best. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. That means the best food. That means you can have steak. You can have lobster. You can have, uh, you know, fresh vegetables. You can have good, the choice of fruit at the market. And, and, and you can just eat the very best. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Well, if you're financially strapped... And if your electric bill's not paid, when you go to the grocery store and you're behind on your car payment and there's, you have to you know, uh, hide your car at night but you're afraid somebody's gonna come repossess it in the middle of the night. When you go to the grocery store, you don't go picking out the best food. Isn't that right? Yeah, you, you calculate everything. And you, and you, get, you, you buy you know, the, the, the lesser cuts. Now listen, three-day-old bread. <laughs> yeah. Now listen to me. If you're living right now on three-day-old bread, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing anything. You know, wherever you are, just know there's a way out of that. Wherever you are, there's a way out of that. And, and he told us, Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with steaks and lobster and, and fresh fruits and vegetables and the best of everything. Let's go back to, to 2 Corinthians 9 again. He said, He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now that reminds me, I just put a pause here before we go to the next verse. What does Galatians 5 say? Or, or, or 6? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So there is a law of sowing and reaping. It's the law of sowing and reaping is one of the most fundamental natural laws there is. Everything that's alive on this planet right now, from man to the, to the lowest uh, microbe, is a result of sowing and reaping. Every tree, every plant, every animal, every person is a result of the law of sowing and reaping. Isn't that right? That's fundamental. To, to how God has established his earth. So he says then in verse seven, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, we already, we've already covered that, not of necessity or from compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God who loves a cheerful giver is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, if you give generously and with, and, and uh, like it says, bountifully here, not with a wrong motive, not because you feel uh, 
you know, you're angry about it and you feel, well, they're just taking up another offering. It just makes me so mad when he gets up. All that preacher wants to talk about is money, money, money. If, if, you're, if you don't give that way, but just give with a generous, a free heart because you love God. Amen. Not because you feel like you have to, but because you want to. It's just in your heart to, to give. It says God loves a cheerful giver. Now we know God loves everybody. He even loves people who are stingy. But what it's saying here is that God loves someone who gives with that kind of an attitude of of generosity, cheerful in their giving. And then it says this God, the same God who loves, let's just say if Brother Doug is somebody who gives, and I believe he is, he gives cheerfully, enthusiastically just because he loves God and and just wants to be a blessing to the church, wants to be a blessing to people who come into his business, just, just a person who gives says that God, God loves that. Well, if God loves that, will he not perform the next verse for that person? God is able to make all grace abound toward you. What kind of grace? Just the grace to be able to conduct yourself, you know, pleasantly with people? Oh, that person just has so much grace. Is that what it's talking about? All grace that you always having all sufficiency in all things. What's that talking about? Having all sufficiency in all things. What does that mean? That means having enough of everything. Well, again, is this talking about uh, intelligence? Yes. Is this talking about, uh, uh, well, I started to say good looks, but then I looked at this brother and I said, well, that can't be true. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come over here. He said, I'm in the wrong place here too. (laughs) That you may have, what what do you say? That you may have all sufficiency in all things. Well, what's he taught? What's What's the context? The context is giving and receiving. Sowing what? Sowing rutabaggers? Sowing, you know, pole beans? No, sowing money and reaping. Everything, everything uh, gives a return after its own kind. You've never planted squash and had tomatoes come up. Never. Everything reproduces after its own kind. So if you sow finances, you're going to reap finances. So that's what he's talking about. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. That means you have enough of everything and that you may then have an abundance for every good work. How many of you have ever had someone present uh, a good work? Maybe you hear about a missionary and they're doing a great work or someone has a, a, a great uh, outreach to a certain group of people and, and, you, and it just touches your heart. So, oh, I want to get involved in that. I just That blesses me to see what that person's doing and you wanted to give and, and, and you didn't have enough. You, you, all I have is $50. All I have is you know, $100. It's all I have. And yet your heart was, was, you wanted to do more. Well, God wants you to do more. He says here that you'll have an abundance for every opportunity. Amen. 
We'll drop on down and save a little time. We'll drop down to verse 11. While you are made rich in everything for all liberality, that simply means so that you can be generous. So that you can be generous. Well, is that the will of God? Well, he's promising us this. So what do we do with 1 Timothy chapter 6? We can't just scratch that out of the Bible. Here's the thing. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want you to notice that it's possible to start out in the faith. This is telling us that some people have started out in the faith. They were right. They were on a a, a good, solid uh, foundation and fitting. But they strayed from their faith in their greediness. I want you to say that word to yourself, greediness. Greediness. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You have, to un- you have to take that context of verse 10 and tie it to verse number nine. Those who desire to be rich because they're greedy, because they love money, fall into temptation and a snare. But now hold your place here and go back to 2 Corinthians 9 again. 2 Corinthians 9. I have a little problem getting there myself. 2 Corinthians 9. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for greediness. Is that what that says? That you may have an abundance for every good work. Here's the thing, church. Here, here's the, here's the, the summary of this. It depends on where your motivation is. When he says those who desire to be rich in 1 Timothy, he's talking about people who desire to be rich in order to consume it upon their own lusts. People who, de- people who crave, That word desire there means to crave. Those who crave to be rich. Notice it doesn't say they crave to be a blessing. Notice it doesn't say those who crave to do good with their riches. Those who want to be a blessing to others, a blessing to the church. Get, you know, see people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, no, they just want to be rich. And the context is out of the love of money rather than the love of God. Now, the reason I'm saying that is it's possible to start from a position of faith where you're right in your motives and stray from it. 
That's, that's the danger that's not being addressed in the, word, in, the, in the current, in a lot of places, in the prosperity teaching of today, is they're not warning the church that, listen, you've got to keep your motives right. God has to be first. What did Jesus say? Seek first. He said, your father, well, backing up a little bit further, he said, uh, what you wear... Don't be concerned about what you wear, what you eat, where you're housing. He said, number one, I take care of the animals, the birds of the air, even the, even the flowers of the field, I care for them. How much more will I clothe you? Then he said, do not take heat for these things. For these are the things the Gentiles seek after, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, these scriptures over in, like, like we've read in 3 John 2, that I will and pray that you prosper in all things, financially material, be in health, even as your soul prospers. Notice it's all based on spiritual prosperity first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all of, the, all of these things will be added to you. He said, your father knows you need all these things. Your father knows you need all these things. And he's promised to not just give you the basis, the basics, but he said, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, if he wants you to eat the good, if he wants you to eat the best, he wants you to drive the best. If he, wants you to, if he wants you to eat the best, he wants you to live in the best. He wants you to wear the best. I mean, is, isn't that right? That means if, when God said, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's, that's just a phrase that means you'll have the best of everything. Everything in the land. See, God's not opposed, opposed to you being rich. He's opposed to you being covetous. God's not opposed to you having money. He's opposed to money having you. And that's who 1 Timothy 6, 9 is referring to. Those who will be rich. Those who have a desire. In other words, I'm after it for the money. I just want money, money. I want to be. Listen, if you have a driving compulsion in you, I just got to make money. I just got to have more money. I want to be rich. And you, you go to sleep thinking about ways to get rich and you wake up in the morning thinking about ways to get rich. You've strayed from the faith. You ought to go to bed thanking God for what you have. You ought to wake up asking God to make you a blessing. I never pray when I get up in the mornings, Lord, bless me. I always pray, Lord, help me to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. And a person like that who is a blessing and who gives, you just can't keep the prosperity from coming to that person. There's just no way. And it's the will of God. But, but we need, to be, we need to, to be sober about this. Like I said, it's, it's possible because he said, the love of money is the root of all evil for which, for the love of money, some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. It's not how much you have. Jesus said, a man's life does not consist 
and the abundance of things that he has. Well, if you're going to eat the good of the land, drive the good of the land, live in the good of the land, wear the good of the land, you're going to have an abundance of good things. Good things. How much more, Jesus said, will your father give good things to those who ask him? He'll give you those things, but your heart can't be in those things. Your heart has to be 100% in God. Sold out to God. Sold out to the will of God. Sold out to the work of God. How do you know you're sold out? How do you know? It's where your desire is. It's where your desire is. Amen. If you want to be a blessing, if that's the thing that drives you, I want to be a blessing, you follow after that and you act on the promptings of the Holy Spirit when he prompts you to give. Act on that because you just want to be a blessing and you just hold on, buddy. Your, your, your situation is going to begin to rise. I don't care where you are. You're going to come up from where you are and there's no end to how high you can go. Listen, God lives in a city made of gold. The, the gates of the city are made of pearls. God's not, there's nothing this world has that's going to make God think, that's excessive. Nothing. Amen. Nothing. You're not, you're not going to offend God with your prosperity. But your heart can be offensive to God. The heart you have associated with prosperity can be very offensive to God. Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. Amen. Glory to God. God, a lot of people have had the idea that it's wrong to have anything. See, that's the ditch on one side. I, I grew up with that kind of mentality. You know, to be, to be, to have little, to just have just my meager amount, that, that's all that's necessary. And anything beyond that is, is, leads to sin. Well, no, not, it doesn't have to. If your heart is right, it won't lead to sin. I always laugh at Sister Iris's, you know, picture that she loves that's in her house, you know, and you've seen it in all the department stores, different places, you know, picture of the, you know what I'm talking about. There's the man, he's sitting at the little table, you know, just sparsely, you know, uh, supplied, nothing on the table, you know, just plain. He's just got a little, you know, small loaf of bread and just a little one drink simple, doesn't have much. And, and the world and, and thinks that just, that just oozes uh, godliness, piety. And that's just so sanctified. That's just so wrong. Being broke doesn't make you saintly. Being broke and, and poverty does not lead to piety. Because if that's true, I mean, if that's true, the poorest among us in our nation would be the holiest, and that's far from true. Isn't that right? I mean, you go into any major city, the poorest sections of town, I said the poorest sections of town are 
riddled with crime, riddled with, with every kind of, you know, drugs and just every kind of, of, of thing that you can think of that's ungodly is there. So we know, we know that being poor doesn't make you godly. Well, being rich doesn't make you godly either. But being godly will make you rich. I said being godly will make you rich because if you're really godly, you'll be a giver. A generous giver. I said a generous giver. Amen. Some of God's most faithful servants in the Bible were people who were very, very rich. Abraham, it says, was very, very rich. And when, when uh, he sent his servant to go uh, back to his homeland and find a wife for his son Isaac, his servant went to, to Laban and to his household, you know, and, and, and on behalf of Isaac, and he, and he testified of Abraham. He says, God has blessed my servant Abraham, and he has given him cattle and sheep and goats and servants and silver and gold. He said, God gave it to him. You see that in Abraham's life. You see it in Isaac's life. You see it in Jacob's life. You see it over and over and over again. Notice, uh, go with me to Second Chronicles real quick. I know I'm running out of time. Second Chronicles Chapter 26. Talking about King Uzziah. He was, he, he was 16 years old when he became king of Judah. And uh, he reigned in, in the place of his father, uh, Amaziah. And it says that uh, he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Verse number four, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all his father Amaziah had done. Now notice verse, verse number five. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And you know what? If you'll seek God and put him first in your giving and be generous in your giving. See, some people are not, the reason some people don't prosper more is they've never really gotten into biblical generosity. They really don't know what generosity is. For instance, when we, when we were gone a couple of weeks ago, Christopher Allen was here. Christopher Allen received a very good offering from our church. Everybody that comes to our church, guest ministers, get good offerings. And we've always been uh, thankful for that and, and we have a, this church has a reputation. Listen, I can have virtually anybody I want in this church as a guest minister. I have who the Spirit of God leads me to have. But we could have anybody because our offerings are very good. I mean, for the size of our church, way more than what you would expect from a church this size. But I'm gonna tell you what, we have the offerings we have because there are certain people in our church that are generous. I said there are certain people in our church that are generous. But if it wasn't, if you, if you extracted 
the giving of certain generous people in our church and their offerings drop down to the average of everybody else in the church, our offerings would be pitiful. I'm just telling you that. That's the truth. That's the, you know it's true. You count the offering. Guess some people, we have guests, somebody like Christopher Allen. And I'm just, I'm just using him as an example. All of our guests, all of our missionaries are, are strong, you know, doing a great work. But this is a man who, he pours his whole life into the gospel. There are people who come to church on Sunday. We have a guest minister, not just him, but every guest. They never put in anything in the offering for guest ministers. Zilch, zero. It's the truth. It's getting quiet in here now. Everybody was all excited a few minutes ago. Woo, preach it, pastor. Go, you go get them, boy. Now everybody's like, it's the truth. There are people who give just, just a little. Now listen, I know that's relative. I know that's relative. But I'm talking about people who, who their lifestyles demonstrate that when it comes to other things in life, they've got expendable income because, you know, we hear. We hear about everybody's hobbies and how much money they spend on this and that going here and there. And we have a guest minister and, and they put $25 in the offering. That's not, for them, that's not, I said for them, that's not generous. Well, you know, I'm your pastor. It's my job to tell you the truth. That's not generous and that will not lead to prosperity. Some people are prospering because they've worked hard and they've made good financial decisions and they're walking in a level of blessing, but it's really not the blessing of God that could be on their life because they're just not generous with what God's given them. When's the last time you ever gave somebody, I'm not even talking about a preacher, I'm not even talking about the church, just because you felt led to just give somebody something to bless them because the Spirit of God prompted you, this person has a need in their life. How was the last time you ever given $1,000 to somebody? Just wrote a check. Didn't get a tax deduction for it. Listen, I just, I just want to give you $1,000. When's the last time you've done that? I receive it, she said. When's the last time you ever gave somebody five grand? <laughs> Amen. Some of you have never even aspired to do anything like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even think of it. God didn't have to hit you in the head with a hammer to get your attention, to even talk to you about $500 to give somebody. What about $10,000? $15,000? I'm not going to ask you personally, but has it ever come into your heart? Yeah, it has his, I know. Because I know, this, I just know this, he's, I know Doug is a generous man. And there are generous people in this church, and I thank God. But I'm telling you what, the ones who are generous are enjoying the blessing of God. And he said, laying up for yourselves. Go, go where, where are we? We in Second Chronicles? Some of you wishing, I said, that'd be a good time to stop, Pastor. Now would be a time to wrap this up. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Pastor, you, you've gone long enough. Six, 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those. We don't, we don't like our pastors commanding things. 
We want our pastors just to be nice all the time. Don't you, don't you stand up there in a pulpit and tell me what to do? Well, I'm telling you what to do. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things. This is in the same chapter as verse number six. I mean, verse number nine, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. It's in the same chapter. I said it's in the same chapter. So you have to put everything in context. Command those who are rich in this age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Does God want you to enjoy good things? Yeah. But notice, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. And they may lay hold on eternal life. Or like one translation, this literally reads the real life. You want to lay hold of the real life? Be generous. You want, to, you want to lay hold of the real blessings of God? Become generous in your life. I mean, when there's a guest minister here, think of, you know, you know what? I'll give up a hunting trip. Those new shoes that I wanted to buy, I'm going to just, I'm just going to wear the shoes I've got a little bit longer. I'm going to give that to God. Amen. I, I, I'm not going to buy those new golf clubs. You know? What, those sticks I've been using, they'll, they'll, they'll still play. I'm gonna give that to the man of God. I'm gonna give that into, I'm gonna give into a mission work. Amen. Glory to God. I tell you what, there is such joy in generosity. I was in a store and I, I just, I was in a, a restaurant not long ago and this girl was bussing my table. She wasn't the server, she was bussing the table. And she came out, you know, and I've been in that restaurant before and I recognized her face, but I didn't know her name, you know and it was, it was back in, in November. And it had just gotten cold. And uh, we got to talking about the weather. She said, ah, it's cold. She said, I'm up from up north, you know. And I said, well, if you're from up north, she was from Pennsylvania, I think. I said, you know, you, it must be, you must not have a problem with cold weather. Oh, she says, ah, it's freezing. She says, I left all my clothes up home, back home and, and I don't have, you know. She said, I'm freezing down here. And the Holy Ghost, just a, he said, give her $100. To buy a, a coat. So she started reaching in my pocket, you know, and, and got my money clip. And I said, here, the, the Lord just dealt with me about giving you this money. He wants you to have some good, you know, buy a coat. You know, $100, not, 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 not many bus people, busing tables get $100. And when I gave it to her, she said, oh, she started jumping around. She hugged me. And I'm sitting in a restaurant. She's hugging my neck, you know. She said, oh, I can't believe this. She said, Thank you, thank you. She said, I'm supposed to go on a missions trip next year. Talking about this year. I'm supposed to go on a missions trip in just a few months and I didn't know where I was going to get the money for my missions trip. That's why the Lord told you to give me this $100. And I thought to myself, you know, I gave that to her for a coat and she's going to use it on a missions trip. Think about that. She still needs the coat, but she's in her generosity. That, to her, that wasn't, oh boy, I got me a new coat. 
I'll go over to Burlington. I might get two. <laughs> she thought, bless somebody else. I guarantee you, I don't even know this woman's name, but I guarantee you she's destined for prosperity. She's destined for abundance. She keeps living that way. There's no way to stop it. She might be bussing tables right now, but she won't always be bussing tables. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God. There's a balance. There's a balance. And if people don't stay balanced, they'll get into the ditch. I'm not going to get in the ditch. I've just determined I'm not getting, I'm not going to be extreme in, in what I preach. I'm just going to preach right down the middle of the road and gather into uh, this road all that's said from all sides in the word of God and stay straight down the road. God wants you to prosper, but he wants your heart first. He wants you to love him. He wants you to be generous in financing his work. He wants you to be generous where other people are concerned. That's what he's looking for. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.